0: It's time for Morning Soul Shine with Bridget, a podcast where we interview people who express their stories of triumph. I'm your host, Certified Life and Mindset Coach, Bridget Gibson. Hi, guys. This is Bridget with Morning Soul Shine. And on this month is October and it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And all month long, we're going to be recognizing people who have made such strides in stopping and trying to help people bring awareness to domestic violence so all month we're going to be dedicating morning soul shine to domestic violence and on today we have a very very special special guest and i am so proud to have her with me on last year she did some videos for us and she went viral guys i just i was so amazed at all the f- The contacts that she made Through this you know these Videos and we're just so appreciative Of her and her name Is attorney Angela Gatlin Keys, and I'm going to Read her bio to you guys and Look guys when you hear about Her journey you're going to Be like yes that's her that Is her all the way so Angela Gatlin Keys was born In Shreveport Louisiana The last of seven children She was always called the smarty pants of the family for her grades and for her mouth she first learned that she liked helping the little people when she was a sophomore in high school her father who served as union and labor president at the va hospital made her sit down one night and write out a grievance complaint against one of the supervisors who had wronged the nurse's aide she enjoyed the process so much that she began to help her dad on a regular basis They would often sit at the kitchen table and hash out the complaints, study the regulations, and write out formal complaints. This father-daughter collaboration resulted in a changed environment for the VA employees during his tenure and sparked Angela's interest in the law. After graduating from the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, she married her college sweetheart and they began a family. A few years later, Angela fulfilled her lifelong dream and was accepted at Loyola University School of Law in New Orleans. She started law school with two small children and graduated with three. At one point, everyone in the household was in the school and the kids did their homework together with her at the library. She practiced a variety of law disciplines for several years and then assumed a position with the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeal. In 2005, Hurricane Katrina forced her family to relocate to Shreveport, where they remained longer than they planned. They eventually landed in the DFW area in 2014. She became the licensed attorney in Texas in 2016, a licensed realtor in 2018, and published her first book, which is based on her blog, A Woman's Wit, in July 2020. Angela is the mother of three and the Gigi of one grandbaby, affectionately called Ladybug. She's also a member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority and has served as praise and worship leader minister of music at a variety of churches for most of her adult life thank you so much Angela
1: for being with us thank you so much Bridget for inviting me I'm happy to be here but I do have one uh correction to my bio I thought I sent you the updated version but now I have two grandbabies you You have two grandbabies that's a blessing I can't leave off the the, the littlest one who's almost one, my baby Julius, and we call him Juju. That's Aww. my Juju bug, <laughs> <laughs> ladybug and Juju, <laughs> ladybug and Juju bug, and they are gorgeous and sweet, and I can't wait to get my hands on them. Oh, that's such a
0: blessing No, we don't want to leave Juju Bug off (laughs) We don't want to leave them off And we just really thank you so much for being with us And Attorney Keys With um, October being Domestic Violence Month I just felt like it was so important To ask you to come and have A conversation with us And talk about the legal Issues regarding domestic Violence in the courts And one of the first things I would like to to talk about because a lot of people don't understand restraining orders can you talk about restraining orders and the importance of being um you know active with whenever you file one and exactly how to fill it out
1: well restraining orders are um pretty uniform there you know there's been a lot of discussion there's a lot of debate and um opinions out there about restraining orders. Some people say that they are effective. Some say they're nothing but a piece of paper that do nothing um, to protect domestic violence victims. And um, and it's true that restraining orders alone may not prohibit um, domestic violence but uh, it it may not deter it completely, but uh, I think it does act as a a deterrent in some cases um, because there are certain repercussions. um, If if a uh, restraining order is filed against uh, a defendant and it is granted, then there are some rights that they lose as a result of having that restraining order levied against them. And so if it gives them pause and it makes them stop what they're doing for fear that they may, for instance, lose the ability to own a firearm because that is one of the, the penalties. Um, then, and that, and we know that that is important to uh, a lot of people. Um, then that, if that is able to slow them down, um, just long enough for the victim. To get away and, and you know gather herself or himself together and uh, get to safety, then it has done its job. <laughs> and so, um, but the uh, most important thing about restraining orders, as I said, they are pretty uniform across the United States. Uh, there may be small um, differences uh, that you encounter, but there is a uh, the uh, restraining order. Is what we called, um, it's something, an order that you can get without the other side being heard, the temporary order. And so we know that once people go into court, uh, both sides have to have the opportunity. They have to have notice um, so that they know that they can appear so that whatever um, proceeding is going on, they have a right to be heard and a right to tell their side of the story, but often in domestic violence cases, um, because of the emergency nature of it, um, the temporary restraining orders are granted what we call ex parte, and that means just on the word, on the sworn word of one party, and it's only used in cases of emergency when you don't have time to, you know, set a hearing because, you know, in some jurisdictions, it may take. Two or three months to get into court. Um, so restraining orders are always set immediately. the The uh, petitioner or the plaintiff, the victim, will go into court and um, fill out the application, and then it goes immediately to the judge, and the judge will rule on it. And then some jurisdictions, you know, the ruling has to be made within uh, twenty four to forty eight hours, um, as soon as possible, because of the emergency nature of the proceeding. And so. When I would counsel domestic violence victims, it's very important that they fill them out correctly because if they are not um, done so, and you know, it can be automatically thrown out, and there's no protection at all. Um, And as I said, they're usually very uniform. Um, You know, you have to put your name, but again, because of the nature of domestic violence, um, you don't have to. Put your address, for instance, if you're in a shelter or you had to escape the family home um, to, you know, get out and you're, you're hiding someplace. So you can't put your address on there because, you know, once the once it's served on the um, offending party, you know, they'll know exactly where you are. Yeah. So they are able to keep that information private and it doesn't go on the order itself just, you know, for security purposes. And um, there are certain features of it. Um, usually the, the, standard, uh, the standard wording is that I, you know, swear that on this day, the, the defendant did, and then it goes through a litany of um, abuses. Did hit, push, kick, scratch, you know, you know, So you just so
0: they need to be specific when they're filling this out. Just a catch
1: all. And some people and I have seen um, people just mark. They just check that box. But what they should do is be very specific because there's also a section where they can um, write out what happened. And they can give like the particular tell the details of the particular incident, you know, whatever it was that prompted them to go ahead, okay, this is the final straw. Um, okay. and so, and it's best that they write that information out um, and be as specific as possible because this is what is going to um, sway or persuade the judge whether or not this order needs to be signed. And so, if you just have just like stand, you know, if you just check boxes off, they won't see the the urgent nature and why the uh, order needs to be um, entered. So you have to, in essence, plead your case on that piece of paper. Okay. And
0: now, as far as evidence,
1: um, would it be important to have evidence? Definitely important to have evidence. I, I often when. Um, in the middle of a, a, a domestic violence incident, uh, or maybe in the aftermath, the person, the victim may call the police. And a lot of them um, say, well, I didn't take pictures because the police took pictures. Uh, but sometimes those photographs, you know, get lost. They don't get, that attached, attached. You can't get to them, you know, because it's evidence. And if they go into, you know, the evidence room, sometimes they just get lost. Or you you can't get a hold of them in time to file your a petition so you always need to take pictures if you have any injuries take pictures document 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 everything that happens if 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 they, if you have a black eye or you know broken arm or if they punched a hole in the wall or you know whatever Whatever evidence you have to show the gravity of the situation, make sure you document that because you will need that in order to prove up your case. This is
0: such great information because, you know... I guess when you're going through domestic violence, you know, everything is so chaotic and -hmm. you're not thinking, you're not thinking about what do I do next? Mm -hmm. So by you telling us about the restraining order and exactly what needs to be done, and a lot of times people have no idea what, what is a restraining order, what, you know, they're not quite sure what to do when going through such a tragedy in their life. And, you know, by you telling us this, this is going to help so many women who are in a situation and really don't know what to do and where to go. So so what you're saying is so if there is a incident at the house and the police is called, correct? So at that point, the
1: police take the, the report. It, uh, how does that work? The police will just, you know, they will, they will assess the situation. You know, they will say, you know, figure out, okay, you know, their, their, their job. Once upon a time, they would just take the man away the, automatically. But now they look for the first aggressor. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it was the male or the female. Gender no longer matters. Who was the aggressor okay. in this situation? And they may or may not, depending on you know the circumstances, um, take that person to jail, um, or they may tell one of them, okay, you need to leave the home, um, and you know th- you know the the uh, one of them may say, well, I, I want to leave, but can you stay with me, or can you make him leave? Until I can get my things together, and then I can leave, and he can come back, or whatever the situation you know may be. Of course, if it's you know a, a really egregious situation, someone is going yeah. to jail, or if someone yeah. needs to go to the hospital um, because of injuries. Um, but the police will simply write a re- they'll assess the situation, write a report, um, and you can also use that report as evidence to support uh, your. Uh, protective order uh, requests. The police don't file the the protective order, but the report that they um, complete as a result of coming to the scene, you can also use that or you you may have to subpoena it. It depends on the jurisdiction where you are, but you can use that to attach as further proof that, you know, this incident happened on this day. The police were called And this is what they wrote up. And they said that, you know, they found that he did this to me or she did that. Um, And as a result, you know, he was taken away or, again, made to leave the home, whatever, whatever the disposition may be.
0: Now, you're brought in as a lawyer. You're brought in if it's only a case where there's children involved or is
1: it for the court, um, the, the trial itself? Well, children. It, it doesn't matter if children are involved or not. It 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 could be just, um, you know, it it, it could be. It, 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 I'm sorry, Chil- Whether or not children are involved has no bearing on whether or not the protective order is going to be um, granted or is okay. needed. Okay.
0: okay. So the um, the attorney represents whomever, or the both parties have attorneys. To
1: represent them in the court. They may, or they may not. Most of the time, when uh, individuals file temporary—and uh, let me backtrack. Most of the time, when individuals file temporary restraining orders, they usually do it on their own. So you don't need an attorney for that. If you, you just had an incident on, you know, Sunday night and Monday morning, you say, "I've had enough," and you get up and go to the courthouse and say, "I want to file a protective order." You can go ahead and file it. And we call it temporary because, again, it's ex parte. So it's only on the word of the victim. Okay. And so the judge at that point will, if he says, okay, there's enough here, so I'll enter a temporary order until um, we can find the defendant, get him served, and bring him in. So it, it gives immediate protection and says that, okay, they won't be able to come within 100 feet of you, they have to leave the home, if there are children involved, it can give temporary custody to, um, you know, to to the victim. Okay. Um, So it can do a lot of temporary things, custody and, um, you know, use of the use of the home, um, you know, can't can't call can't contact in any way can't come to their job you know can't can't do any of those things yeah so it's important that these restraining orders are done you know definitely because it's immediate protection but but then the regular hearing has to be set within 30 days okay and that gives and that and at that point is when the defendant Hopefully, if they're able to serve him with notice, then he will be able to come into court and say, "You know, yes, I agree to it, or I object that it's all lies. None of this happened." But at that at that point, it's his opportunity to be heard. And then, if the judge. Here's evidence on both sides, takes testimony from both sides, and then the judge will make a ruling, say, well, okay, I believe that this order is necessary, and then he'll issue a permanent order. Okay. In the permanent orders, the length of time that they are effective, it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but sometimes they're for six months, a year, 18 months, two or, and all the way to two or three years. And so amazing.
0: That, that's right. wonderful. That's wonderful to know. And that gives some type of, you know, I'm sure it gives some type of peace
1: to the yes. victim. Right. Yes. But it's not a time to let your guard down because and I tell people, you know, I've counseled people that uh, often if a defendant has, if a, um, an offender has an order um, executed against them, you know, th- that can make them angry that can make them angrier. Yeah. And it's at that time um, they may heighten their abuse because some people have no regard for, you know, they don't care if they just want to get this person back. You know, you got this restraining order against me. And so I lost my job as a result. Mm-hmm. Or. They're gonna take my 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 guns as a result. So sometimes that heightens their anger. So it's it's not it's not a call to say, okay, well I've got this order, so let me, I can just rest and be at ease. You still have to take precautions because you know that individual, you know what he's capable of, you know how he operates, you know how he thinks. So you still have to be mindful of that and move, continue to secure your safety, the safety of your children, uh, whether it's uh, finding new housing, getting them enrolled in different schools, you have to, you may have to give a copy of that restraining order to their school so that they know if you were granted custody, so that they know that and you know he he or she can't come to the school and take the children. Um, you have just or the daycare. You have to put them on notice because you can give them those share those copies with individuals who need to know um, what's going on.
0: That's good information. That's really good information. Now, as far as the laws with harassment and um, you know psychological abuse, uh, stalking. Um, mm-hmm. It does it vary from state to state, or is it across the board? Um, those laws,
1: well, stalking and um, things like that, they there there is protection um, provided for it. In situations like that, you know, it's it's going to be harder to prove because you know you don't have the black eyes and you don't have the broken arms. Yeah, to as you know. So basically, it's just it. your word against somebody else's, right? But you still can prove it. And what I tell people to do is document, document, document. I used to have to tell people to keep a log. Uh, for instance, um, you know, if they're harassing you, if they're texting you a um, hundred times a day, or repeated phone calls, um, driving by your home or your job or your mother's house or you know wherever um keep a log of everything. It's not coincidence that they just happen to be to show up. you know, if you're at the mall that you happen to see them and then you're you know you're at at an eating eating at a restaurant and then you happen to see them, uh, that should give you an indication that you're being followed. So document everything uh, Saturday uh, September 23rd, you know, six o'clock p.m drove by my house, you know, again, at eight, eight o'clock, drove by my house, you know, and document all of the phone calls. It's, it's very easy, it's much easier these days to document the phone calls because most of the t- most of our phones keep, you know, the, the call log and we can see all of the calls that are coming in. But sometimes they may call from blocked or unknown numbers. But if if all of this is occurring, during this time period, um, it's a very easy assumption to conclude that it's that person because you hadn't been getting those types of calls before.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Document it, but don't leave it on your phone because, you know, things can happen with our phones, but you can go and print those uh, logs out to show that I received 150 calls on this one day. The next day, it was 75, you know, so that's, that's harassment and that's, yes. um, you know, it, again, and that's, it's psychological because you, and it's especially if they're leaving messages um, and, and you're already fearful. So, and it, it weighs, it weighs on you. And if they're threatening you and saying, you better come back home, or you better drop this restraining order, or, you know, you better do this. I'm going to take the kids that causes, you know, depression it causes fear, Um and, and it, ca- it often causes victims to return because it makes them feel as if they have no power. There's no way to escape, so they may as well go back um, because it's better than where they are because, you know, domestic violence really um, messes with your mind. Um, yes, yes. You can suffer, you, you know, if you've ever spoken to victims, sometimes they are, their perception and their thinking is just not clear when they've in, in endured abuse and trauma. Because we know that trauma, it 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 has an effect on the mind. It has an effect on the body. Spiritually, it affects you in every type of way. Now that takes me to yeah, you're right. It's like people who who are, who serve, you know, who who go off to fight in wars. Yeah,
0: you're right. The same type of PTSD, the same type of uh, mental mental illness that, yes. you know, that we see in soldiers, you know? Yes, yes. And, you know, that brings me to the case of the Gabby Petito and, um, you know, just seeing her on TV and the turmoil she was in when she, you know, when the police stopped them. Um, can you speak about that, you know, what you think about that case?
1: Well, um, i I not really, I did not follow it closely, but from what I read, the counts, the accounts that I read, I, I look, I search for history to see if there had been um, any allegations of domestic violence between the two of them prior Mm -hmm. between she and her fiance prior to them going on this cross-country trip they were on and um i have not discovered anything like that but when i read the account uh in the news where you know they were at a gas station or something and they there was a fight there was an altercation outside and you know there were witnesses to it and um you know, one account said that he was striking her and there was another account that said, you know, she was the aggressor. So, and in situations like that, you know, often, you know, if the police were there, they they don't know. And so when they interviewed them, when the police got there and they talked to them, you know, of course they said, well, you know, we're, we're okay, we don't need... You know, we, we don't need any help. You know, we're going we're to be fine. And, you know, they got in the van and drove off together. But if you have an altercation like that, nine times out of ten, that's, that's not the first time something like that happened. Mm-hmm. And often victims will hide um, abuse, you know, because they're embarrassed or afraid or they can't believe it. You know they can't believe the person that they love is subjecting them to this type of um, you know behavior. So often people others don't know it until there is a public altercation. And uh, again, I don't know if this is the first time, but usually you know it it, it doesn't. You usually don't start with a big fight. Yeah, it always builds up it may start with verbal abuse or there may be emotional abuse. But when that abuse is not confronted, it is going to escalate. And it escalates to the physical, which is what it did in in this case. And um, it's very unfortunate, very sad story um, that um, the young lady lost her life. and, And until they are able to find him, you know, there are so many unanswered questions.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I guess you can hear my silence Because I'm taking in every word That you're saying You're saying so many wonderful You're giving so many wonderful nuggets To us tonight And um, you know it's going to go So far because There's so many people out there Who are looking for answers And don't know who to turn to And you know with domestic violence It's such a, a silent thing You know whatever happens in the house Stays in the house Stays in the house yeah, yeah, so people who are listening to this podcast, you know this may be the only chance they'll get, you know, because this morning sunshine, shine, they're never gonna think, oh, I'm getting information on how to get out of this situation right, mm-hmm. and so I am just so happy that you accepted um, my invitation to be on morning soul shine, and I just pray that someone who's out there, who's going through would hear this, and hear you giving such great information on you know what to do to stay safe and how to get out and this has just been a wonderful wonderful interview is there anything else you would like to share with us
1: yeah i just wanted to add um on to the part this gabby was her her case was highlighted because she you know had a lot of notoriety um because of her her social media presence but if you think about the sheer numbers of men and women who are victims of domestic violence, but their voices, their cases, their stories are not heard because you know they are the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, it is mind boggling. In the United States, more than 10 million adults experience domestic violence annually, more than 10 million one in four women and one in 10 men experience sexual or physical violence or stalking by an intimate partner. And so on a typical day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receive over 19,000 calls. And if that abuser happens to have a firearm, it increases the risk of intimate partner Femicide by 400%. And we know that we are in the middle of the pandemic. And um, unfortunately, with all of the unemployment and all of the the death and everything that went along with the pandemic, but domestic violence rates rose 8%. And most of that could, could be attributed to everyone having to quarantine at home everyone was at home you mm-hmm. get, at one point when when everything was on lockdown you could not get away there was no way to get out and you know let steam off and as a result domestic violence rates rose 8% in 2020 wow and so i just want people to just be aware um everyone doesn't have the fame and and the you know they're not known but just be aware pay attention to the people around you pay attention to friends you know are they you know one of one of the things that abusers do is they will cut off contact with the family and friends so if you have someone who at one point you know you were able to socialize with them and you know go here and there and now they can't do that or you know if if you are at a gathering you know The abuser is watching them and monitoring what they say, monitoring their what they do, monitoring their phone calls and monitoring everything. That's a good indication that something is going on. And uh, unfortunately, they may never say anything. But if you sense in your spirit that something is going on, just go to them and let them know that you see them. Let them know if you need someone to confide in, I'm here and be that confidential ear. Because they need someone they can trust. Someone can help them get you safety. As an advocate
0: for domestic violence, um, I am just overwhelmed right now with joy of you sharing this information. Because on a daily, you know, I speak with people who are going through and they don't, they don't know what to do You know, they don't know where to go Because their livelihood Is at stake Their children are at stake And they're just going through this abuse And don't have a way out And just to know that somebody Understands them like you You know, and understands The processes It is so good to have you As an advocate with me And thank you so much Attorney Keys for being with us
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. If they need help, they can go to www.thehotline.org. That's the National Domestic Violence um, website. It's secure. And once you go on to it, it erases your uh, search history so that if someone comes behind you, they can't know that you've been there. So www.thehotline.org for help. They're a great resource. They can help you where you nationwide and they can get you information uh, in the particular state you're in as well. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And you've been listening to Morning Soul Shine
0: with Bridget and Attorney Keys. And we will talk to you on next week. Thank you so much.